Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have, you're here with us. You said where two or three are, there you are in the middle of them. And so, Father, I just ask you to, by your Spirit, come within and upon each one of us. If there be any here, Father, that do not know you as Lord and Savior, I release your Spirit to just draw them to you in the name of Jesus. And Father, if there be any here that are feeling separated from you, maybe, maybe um, they recognize you but feel separated from you, Father, I just ask that you draw them in a mighty way, that they understand that you are a good Father, that Holy Spirit, you have your way, that your will be done tonight, Father. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And amen. amen. I have two, two uh, sermons to give to you, and I keep trying to decide one or both or all three. <laughs> That's right. So let's go um, over to Second Chronicles. Actually, let's not go there first. Let's go to, yeah, Second Chronicles. I like Second Chronicles. Well, at a different place in 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles in chapter 32. Now, the background here is Hezekiah has become king. He has removed a lot of idols and restored a lot of things. And things have been going in the right direction in the kingdom. And then along comes the enemy with grandiose plans to destroy the whole thing. Sound familiar? Okay, tonight's very, very, what I'm going to say next over the next number of minutes is very, very pointed to us in the time that we're living in in the United States of America. Okay? We're reading about Old Testament examples, but it applies to today. Okay? So here, uh, Sennacherib, I, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but we'll just say that it is for, for tonight. King Sennacherib brings, he's from Assyria, he brings his whole army, and he lays siege to Jerusalem. And in verse 6, he, um, let's see, Hezekiah, he set military commanders over the people in the square of the city gate. Then he spoke to their hearts. Some translations say he encouraged them. Saying, and this is what he said, Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged before the king of Assyria or before all the multitude with him. For there are more. Everyone say more. More more with us than with him. He has only human strength. But we have the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. So the people rested or leaned on the words of King Hezekiah of Judah. Now, Snekerib sends out his servant with a message. And he proceeds to come up to the wall and tell them, Here's, um, you guys are leaning on a God. Obviously, you're far outnumbered. He can't rescue you. Look at all the nations that our gods have put into our hands. And you're going to be just like one of them. And he says all this stuff. And, and then up on the wall, they're saying, Hey, be, you know, talk to us in this other language so the people don't understand you. But no, he cries out in their native tongue and just all the more and yells to the people. 
and tries to do what the media does today. So misinformation, doubt, fear, tries to plant all of that into the people. And so Hezekiah goes into the house of the Lord and he prays. And he sends for a message to prophet Isaiah. He says, help. <laughs> and so Isaiah sends a message back to him. And the message was, to make a long story short, the Lord says, because you look to me for your answer. Man, I'm going to give you victory. And, and then the angel of the Lord shows up and 185,000 soldiers are toast. And they have victory. Let's go back to now chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. And for some on our worship team, they, uh, this may be a favorite passage of theirs. <clears throat> Let's look in. Um, I'll just begin reading in verse 1 because I'm going to read um, quite a ways through here. After this, Let's see, after this, the Democrats and liberals, together with some of the other countries, I said it's very pointed to us, those that hate this nation. All right, so after this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, together with some of the Meunites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. Just a point of interest, the Moabites and Ammonites were both products of Ishmael. Okay? So, Abraham's descendants. But it was done out of fear. Fear of not having children of my own. You know, fear just leads to trouble each time. Verse 2. People came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast multitude from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you. They are already in Hazazan Tamar. That is in Gedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid. Have any of you been afraid? You know, I've been afraid. I've experienced fear. He was afraid. So here's what you do. Like him. So he resolved to seek the Lord. So he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Who gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. Look, I'm going to ask all of you to fast something this week. Fast one meal. Or if you can't go without food, I mean, I, I think everyone can go without food. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said, told you to fast. Um, so really, I think everyone can. You can fast one meal. But I'm going to ask you to fast one meal this week and pray about the situation that we face in this nation. Lift it up to the Lord and ask the Lord for help. In verse 5, then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the Lord's temple before the new courtyard. He said, Lord God of our ancestors. Now, this is his prayer to God. Let's, let's listen to his prayer and, and let's make this prayer personal from us in our situation. He says, Lord God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, and no one can stand against you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in the land and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, and have said, if disaster comes on us, sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, 
We will stand before this temple, before you, for your name is in this temple. We will cry out to you because of our distress, and you will hear and deliver. This was the promise. He's just quoting the word. Verse 10, he goes on, continues his prayer. Now, here are the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir. You did not let Israel invade them when Israel came out of the land of Egypt. But Israel turned away from them and did not destroy them. Now, the reason that the Lord did not allow them to destroy them was because they were descendants of Abraham. Even though that whole thing was done in mistake and sin, they were still, they have promised too from the Lord. So he wouldn't allow them to be destroyed. Verse 11, he says, Look how they repay us by coming to drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this vast multitude that comes to fight against us. For we do not know what to do, but we look to you. How many of you feel powerless against the whole system that's rigged in this nation, right? Against the media and and all the, the democratic agenda that is not of God. And it can feel rather overwhelming. It can feel like, what difference can I possibly make in this nation? You know, when things start to go in the right direction, and suddenly there is unbeatable odds in front of you. I mean, how do you win an election when the whole thing's rigged? And so the danger for you and I and for the rest of the people in this nation is that we would begin to wring our hands and fold our hands and say, okay, I guess we're defeated, we're beat, we'll just surrender, there's nothing we can do. You know, at the next election, we go out again. We don't just say, well, what good does it do? Because they're going to cheat anyway. See, that is just giving in to defeat. But we're going to stand up We're going to continue the fight. We're going to stay in faith. We're going to look to the future. We're going to take a hold of God's promises. And even though the multitude is vast, and it seems like everything is just... It's always when it's at its worst that the breakthrough comes. Right? We look to you. Father, we look to you. We look to you, Lord. We know our help doesn't come from our own numbers. It doesn't come from any resources that we have. But Father, it's from You. You're the one that help comes from. You're the one who rescues and delivers. You are the God of more than enough. The God of grace, Father. And we ask You, Lord, for a continued mercy upon this nation. And we ask You, Lord, for deliverance of this nation out of the hand of evil that has come against it. And I thank You, Lord, for bringing about miraculous wonders and miracles and deliverance and those things which have been done in secret that have been bringing destruction, we just call them exposed in the name of Jesus and deposed in the name of Jesus. So all Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. In the midst of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, Son of Zechariah, son of Benai, son of Jeel, son of Matani, a Levite from Asaph's descendants. And he said, 
This is by the Spirit of the Lord. Listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged. How many times when an angel would show up or when dire situation was happening, Jesus or an angel would say, do not fear. Do not fear. I mean, fear is just the worst thing that you can yield to. Because it throws open the door and takes the leash off of all the things that can come in that you fear. So do not fear. You say, well, how do I not fear when in my flesh I have symptoms of fear? It's by faith. You speak to it because fear is a spirit. I haven't given you a spirit of fear, so it's a spirit. It can hear you. Fear can hear you. And just like fear can talk to you, you can talk to it. Come on. And we're going to speak to it and say, nope, not today. And you command it to leave you in the name of Jesus. And then by faith, you speak out the promise of God. By faith, you declare the victory. And you don't look at the natural and go, oh yeah, but the ship's sinking. Oh, but the Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is the one who rescues us. Come on, the greater one is in us. We can't lose. We're going to win. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God. God's possessive tense. The battle belongs to God. You know... We do not, just going rewinding a couple weeks ago, many, even believers, are tempted to put their faith in what they are seeing in the natural. Oh, this is going to be exposed. Oh, that's going to be exposed. I mean, the latest one is, is um, what happened. We now have someone that came forward and admitted to, I, I did it. I did it. I was over in Italy, and I, he says exactly how he did it, did it and there, he signed affidavits the whole bit. So now they have the witness that is saying, yep, I did it. I changed X amount of notes, votes to this. And so if we look to something like that and say, oh, there's where our victory is. I don't care how the victory comes, we just know it comes. Because we look to the Lord. So let's keep our faith there. You know, this thing's not over. No matter who's the president in, in several months from now, it's not over. The battle, someone say, the battle's not mine. The battle's not in our evidence. The battle is God's. So, the word of the Lord continues to, to come by the Spirit of the Lord through Jehaziel. And he says in verse 16, Tomorrow, go down against them. You will see them coming up the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness of Jeruel. Now, isn't it interesting that he says, go down? It was still action required from them. But as we see, as we keep reading, it was action that they took in faith. Because the way they were arraigned to, to meet the enemy forces wasn't a winning formula, I assure you, as we will see. Yet they won. 
So this is still the Spirit of the Lord speaking to them, and he's saying, you have to take action. He says, you do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, says it again, or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Listen, if the Lord is with His people back in the Old Covenant, under a covenant that is not as good as we have today, if the Lord is with them, then surely the Lord is with you and I, His new covenant children. You and I belong to the family of God in greater measure than they did or ever could in that Old Covenant. And so more than ever before, we have His heart. We have His help. And we are not facing this on our own. This is the proper response to the word of the Lord in verse 18. Then Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. To worship him. The Lord has spoken. They, they believe it. They're worshiping him. Thank you, Lord. You're so awesome. Then the Levites from the sons of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, God of Israel, shouting in a loud voice. Now, how do you think they rested that night? Knowing that in the morning, going to be a bit of excitement. We have to go out and face this horde, this unbeatable force, with our small number. And you could stay up worrying all night, or you could stay up with anticipation and eagerness all night. Whether you stay up or sleep, be at peace. In anticipation. In anticipation. In eager anticipation of what the Lord is going to do. In the morning they got up early. That's right, don't put it off. Face the problem now. Got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. Now this is about 10 miles south of Jerusalem. So they went for a hike. As they were about to go out... Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in His prophets, and you will succeed. You will prosper. What does he say? He's saying, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe the prophetic word, and you will prosper. Put Isaiah 7, 9 up on the screen, if you would, James. We're going to continue reading here in a moment. Isaiah 7, 9 now is a very similar verse. And keep a finger where we were, because we're going to come right back. Once again, the people of God were facing annihilation from some people. And this is what the Lord God said. He He starts saying it in verse 7 and then in verse 8, but then in verse 9, he ends everything that he said with this. He said, if you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. In in the New King James, it says, if you will not believe, if you will not believe, that's faith, right? If you will not believe, you, surely you shall not be established. Or if you will not believe, then you will not stand. So is it important that we believe? 
that we not just give up and be discouraged and wring our hands and say, I guess the battle's lost. God can't lose. And as long as we, the remnant, are here in this nation, this nation belongs to us. And we're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to lift it up to the Lord. We're going to continue to declare victory in this nation. Just because we see one battle going wrongly doesn't discourage us. It doesn't frighten us. It doesn't make us run away and go sit down and hide. No, we're going to rise up stronger than ever. This is going to be revival in the house of God. Greater than before. Come on. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe His prophets and you will succeed. Then He consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of His holiness. And when they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord for His faithful love endures forever. Possibly it was Psalms 136 that they were singing. Very likely. Listen to this one. The moment, everyone say the moment. The moment moment they began their shouts and praise, I'm telling you, your voice gives wheels to spiritual things happening on your behalf. The moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites the Moabites and the inhabitants of Mount Seir who came to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, now they're fighting each other, and completely annihilated them. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy each other. Listen, we do not need to destroy those that have set about to destroy this nation. They will do it to each other. What we have to do is look to the Lord. We have to put our stake in the ground, stand for truth, believe God, believe His prophets, declare the word of truth out over this nation, and let them take care of each other. When Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude and There were corpses lying on the ground. Nobody had escaped. That right there is a good looking swamp. They're all laying still. Then Jehoshaphat and his people went to gather the plunder. And they. Yeah, that's right. The plunder. They went to gather the plunder. He and his people went to gather the plunder. I'm telling you, the plunder for us is going to be the souls of this nation. The plunder for us is we're going to plunder hell, friends. We are going to bring the gospel, bring good news to this nation like never before. We've been sending missionaries out to all the uttermost part of the earth, but I'm telling you, this place is ours. This is the place we're going to pick up, pick up plunder more than we have room to carry. There's revival in the land. There's revival in the church. There's revival in this nation. They found among them an abundance of goods on the bodies and valuable items. Listen, we have promise after promise in the Word that tells us that the riches of the heathen are going to come into the house of the Lord. It doesn't mean we went out and took it from them. It means they got saved and brought it in. Come on, we're not taking things from people. We're bringing people in. So they stripped them until nobody could carry any more. They were gathering the plunder for three days because there was so much. 
they assembled in the valley of Baraka on the fourth day, for there they praised the Lord. Therefore, that place is still called the valley of Baraka today. Then all the men of Judah and Jerusalem turned back with Jehoshaphat at their head, returning joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord enabled them to rejoice over their enemies. The Lord enabled them. The Lord enabled them. Someone say, the Lord enables me. The Lord enables enables us, His church, church. with with victory. And I'm not talking about just victory over sin. I'm saying taking back the land. God's mercy is so great and so vast. It's the only reason His whole thing hasn't been ashes already. Right? In Peter, he said the reason he delays his coming is because of his mercy and his patience. And so he keeps waiting so that more would be saved, so that more would come into the kingdom. He's not willing that any should perish, and there's a whole bunch out there perishing, and he doesn't want them to. We are on his side in this matter. We have the winning formula, and that is the word of the Lord. We have his commission to do it, to take back the land. And so, I don't know when this whole thing wraps up and when that sky cracks and the trumpet sounds and Jesus returns and takes us all up, but we have work to do until then. And we're not going to lay down. We're not going to accept defeat. This is the greatest days of our lives, and I believe it. Let's go over to uh, the book of Jonah. See, I was thinking this would all just be a short prelude to the message. Sometimes the appetizer is so good, you just stay and eat the rest of that and skip the meal, right? Jonah. There was a a call of God on Jonah's life. There was an assignment. Someone say assignment. There was an assignment on him for a particular people group. And I'm telling you, there's an assignment on you and I. An assignment on you and I for this nation, for this community, for this region, for Pennsylvania. I mean, for the whole world, isn't there? An assignment on you and I. Great commission, we call it. So he gives this to Jonah. This assignment. He says, go down there to those rascals that you hate because they were a vicious people and they were just extreme enemies of Jonah and his people. And the last thing he wants is for them to experience salvation. Lord, you want to destroy them? Do it now. Why wait? That's what he's thinking. He says, you go to them and you preach. And Noah says, I'm not doing it. And he goes and gets aboard a ship. Now, the reason he decided not to do it wasn't because he was afraid, as many times we read in our children's books. I don't believe fear had much to do with it. Because if you look at the end of Jonah, he says why I didn't go. He says, because I knew how merciful you were. I knew you would repent of destroying them, and he wanted them destroyed. That's why he didn't go. Someone say, the love of God constrains me and compels me to reach out into the world and bring in those that are hurting. Bring in the lost. So Jonah takes a boat ride, and you know the story. Things didn't go well for him. A storm comes up, and man, these, these sea sailors, these experienced sailors, you know, they've, they've been on sea for a while. They know storms. 
They know how to deal with them and how to get through them. And, and obviously they haven't perished in a storm before. So they know what they're doing. But this storm is bigger than they know how to handle. They try everything they can. Finally, they throw all the cargo over. Finally, they're down to, all right, what's going on? And they find Jonah sleeping down in the bottom. And they have this conversation with him, and Jonah goes, oh, I know what to do. Throw me. See, these guys are going, what, what, what did you do to the God of the sea? Whoever that is, right? That he's angry with us. And Jonah's going, well, here's how you appease him. Throw me in, and it'll be over for you. I mean, for me, for you, the, the storm will be over. So they, they, no, they don't like that idea, of course. So they try to get to land. Nope, didn't work. So they throw him over. And um, Jonah, in verse 17 of chapter 1, Then the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. The fish was an act of mercy, not an act of judgment. An act of mercy to bring Jonah back to the nearest point that he could be to then travel by land to Nineveh, which is modern-day Mosul in Iraq. I stood in the place where they they have a statue where they believe Jonah was spit up in Lebanon onto the shore there. And even from there, he had quite a journey to make it all the way to Nineveh. So he is down in the belly of this fish. And... Let me just say something to you before I read this next part so that you're looking for it. I believe with all my heart that Jonah died. Because of what we'll read next, it says that the bars of the earth had closed around him forever. It says he went to Hades, which means dead, okay? It's the grave. And on top of all of that, how how do you live inside of a fish? You don't. You die, right? And on top of that, Jesus said, the only sign this generation is going to receive from me is the sign of Jonah, who spent three days in the belly of the whale or in the belly of the earth. And so, what was that was a symbolic of Jesus dying for three days. How would it be symbolic if Noah didn't die? Noah. (laughs) Well, I'm really getting this mixed up. If Jonah hadn't died, how would that be symbolic of Jesus dying? So just something to consider. Let's read in verse 1. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of hell. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths and into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. It doesn't do any good to resist the Lord. But I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The waters engulfed me up to my soul. The watery depths overcame me. The seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the earth. The earth with its prison bars closed behind me forever. But you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my soul was fading away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. Now, the King James says it this way, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. The word faithful love or kindness or mercy is often translated any one of those three ways, this word. And 
This worthless idols, those who cling to worthless idols, the worthless idols is, it means lying vanities. That's what it means. They that observe lying vanities. Paul said it this way. He said, you and I, we look at things that are not seen. In the natural realm, you would say, no, that can't be. That can't happen. It's impossible. It's incurable. That's what you might say in the natural realm. But we look with spiritual eyes at truth that is not seen by the natural eye. Right? We look at what is unseen, Paul said. And what is that unseen thing we look at? The promise of God. The faithfulness of God. His Word about our situation. So if you will, the Word will rescue you. The Word will rescue us. But if we get caught up at looking at all the wind and the waves, at all the turmoil, at all what's gone wrong, just recently in our nation, if we get caught up looking at that, we will forsake our own mercy. He says this in verse 9, As for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now a fish big enough to swallow him can't get real close to dry land, so there must have been some projectile vomiting going on. But he reached dry land with the Lord's help. So then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. He said, get up, go to that city. This time Jonah obeys him. And destruction, did, Jonah didn't go in there and preach about the goodness of God. The only thing we have record that he told them was in 40 days, you guys are toast. Didn't even tell them they should repent. Well, he didn't want them to repent. In 40 days, it's over for you. And that's all he, he went around the whole city saying that. The whole city repents. If you read the story, the king has even the animals in sackcloth and ashes. Everybody is in sackcloth and ashes. And what does God do? In his great mercy, he relents. Listen, this is our victory. His mercy. And when there is repentance in the land, when us as a church do not go into idolatry and, and thinking that uh, President Trump was our deliverer or, or now Sidney Powell or, or whatever, come on, our deliverer is the Lord. And it's, it's good for us to, to cheer them on, to pray for them, to applaud them, and to stand with them and fight with them. But that's not where our deliverance is coming from. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. So, um, going all the way to chapter 4. In verse 1, But Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious, and he prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place? I knew that you are merciful and compassionate God, slow to become angry, rich in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. The Lord is better at delivering than you and I are. I think, Larry, you have a word for us to find a scripture. Okay, we were there earlier. I like Google. Actually, I have issue with Google, but, you know, they've been part of the problem, yeah. along with Apple, yeah. eliminating free speech. Yeah. Not happy with Google. But I'm grateful that for the search feature. How about that? 
So we were in in Isaiah 7 earlier. I quoted the verse to you, verse 9, about if you do not stand firm in your faith, then you will not stand at all. Or if you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. This was, I I say the word too much. Let's look in verse 10, what he says next. It says, Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, Ask for a sign from the Lord your God, from the depths of Sheol, to the heights of heaven. But Ahaz replied, I will not ask, I will not test the Lord. Isaiah said, Listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of my God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you all a sign. Now understand, the context is they're asking for deliverance from their enemy who's sitting outside. They're asking for deliverance, and the Lord says, this is going to be the sign to you for that. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. By the time he learns to reject what is bad and choose what is good, he will be eating butter and honey. For before the boy knows to reject what is bad and choose what is good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. The Lord will bring on you, your people, and the house of your father such a time as has never been since Ephraim separated from Judah, the king of Assyria, is coming. How do you like that? He prophesied something hundreds of years in advance as the sign of their deliverance. This is our day. This is our day. Let's just keep reading. On that day, the Lord will whistle to the fly that is at the farther streams of the Nile, and to the bee that is in the land of Assyria. All of them will come and settle in the steep ravines, in the clefts of the rocks, in all the thorn bushes, and in all the water holes. On that day, the Lord will use a razor hired from beyond the Euphrates River and the king of Assyria to shave the head, the hair, and the legs, and to remove the beard as well. On that day, man will raise a young cow and two sheep, and from the abundant milk they give, he will eat butter, for every survivor in the land will eat butter and honey. On that day, every place where there are were 1,000 vines worth 1,000 pieces of silver will become thorns and briars. A man will go there with bow and arrows, because the whole land will be thorns and briars. You will not go to all the hills that were once tilled with a hoe for fear of the thorns and briars. Those hills will be places for oxen to graze and for sheep to trample. Don't you find it curious that the Lord gives them a sign of deliverance by saying, I'm going to send Jesus several hundred years from now. You see, we all, we pray for deliverance and we expect it's going to happen tonight, Lord. Now it can. In the one story we read, an angel showed up and they had victory tonight. 185,000 dead Sennacherib soldiers out there. And so he went home. And then his sons killed him in his temple while he was worshiping his God. That's the end of the wicked. But for you and I, whether it be tonight or whether it be 500 years from now, this isn't going to win. What we have witnessed in this last month, it's not going to win. Their plans are not going to succeed. Not long term, they're not. They're going to be exposed, they're going to be removed, they're going to destroy each other, and the house of God is going to rise up in this moment. We're going to go forth in faith, we're going to pray, we're going to pray. I said we're going to pray and we're going to say. Come on, pray and say. Someone say, I pray and I say. So this week, fast a meal, 
and pray and say and talk to the Lord. Ask Him, how should I pray? Ask for Scripture that you could pray over our situation now. And believe, believe, and you will be established. We will be established. Just like the Lord had a plan for Jonah. He has a plan for His people in the earth now. A good plan, that's right. He has work for us to do. There's more people in the world right now that are, are suffering because of what's going on than in Nineveh would have been destroyed. I mean, just think of abortion. It doesn't take long and we just eclipse those numbers right there. So we have His interest in this thing. Larry, are you ready to deliver what the Lord... If I could have you maybe take this back to Him. Okay, yeah, you can come up. First of all, this church is a very special church. It was founded in prayer. And it's gone on through a lot of prayer. A lot of intercession. A lot of grief. Devil's out to destroy this church. But Jesus mm-hmm. is our God. That's and right. he's victorious. I want to read this to you. I want to share some things. This has been a church after my heart for a long time. I planted it in Pastor Dale's heart. I planted it in Pastor Sid's heart. But it's my heart because I've seen the faithfulness of this church to take the gospel around the world, to touch lives and hearts of your neighbors, of your friends. I've watched. I've heard prayers. I've heard intercessions. I'm going to take you further than you ever dreamed of going. Because it's not about you. It's about me and you. It's about the plans that I have for this church. It's about the plans that I have for each and every one of you. My children whom I love and who I died for. I have plans for this church. And it's going to be planted where I want it planted. And it's going to grow. And it's going to prosper. And the word of God shall be preached. It shall be touched. It shall touch many lives. And the glory of God will be seen in this church. It may be small now, but it's going to grow. And it's going to mature in the likeness of my son, Jesus Christ. So be faithful. Be on your knees praying. Because I will use your prayers. And I will use your intercessions. And if you're led by the Holy Spirit, you won't believe what you just prayed. And by the Spirit, you don't know what you just prayed. So pray in the Spirit more and more and more because it's a part of me in you by the Spirit who can lay a foundation for what I want to do. So be faithful, my children. Be faithful. Love one another. Help one another. Stand in the gap for one another because I love you. I have died for you. I have plans for you, each and every one. And for this church, I've been having troubles for about two years. And so many things came at, came at me. And I thought, Lord, how do I pray about this? And today I, was, I looked at the scripture where Jesus cast 2,000 demons out of somebody. And I thought, okay, if he can cast 2,000 things, he can cast about eight, ten things out of me. That's right. And he can do it. Same for you. You know, God loves us so much. 
He promised us in his word that he would meet our needs. He would heal our bodies. He would touch our lives. He has a calling. He has a calling for each one of us. We're all special in his sight. He loves us. He died for us. And today, Karen and I were praying, and I just kind of went off in the spirit. And I thought I heard the Lord say this. I'm sure he did. He said, I want to come tonight. I want to meet needs tonight. So if you have special needs tonight, I want to invite John to come up here and lead us in praise and worship. Pastor said tonight, in praise and worship, the enemy was defeated. So the Lord has this on my heart for a long time. The pastors had been preaching the word and preaching the word Sunday or Saturday night after Saturday night. But I sensed the Lord say, today I want to show off. Today I want people to see my glory. Today I want to see people touched by the power of a living God. You know, each one of us has the Holy Spirit living in us if Jesus Christ has saved us. That's right. And he's waiting for us to follow his still small voice. So I invite you to come forward here to this altar because that's what the Lord has put in my heart, that there's power at this altar. I know two times that I came front and they asked, Pastor uh, Dale asked people to come front to be healed or whatever they needed. And when I came front, I was somehow up in the stage, I guess, and uh, I was waiting for him to come down through. But instead, I felt three fingers on my forehead. And this happened to me twice. You know, God can heal us. Thank God for people that lay hands on you and pray for you. There's power in it. I've seen lots of miracles that way. But sometimes God just wants to touch you. Sometimes God just wants to set you free. And we have to trust him. So, Holy Spirit, I invite you. I've seen your power. I've seen your anointing when you fall upon a place. You're a mighty God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the three in one. I can't grasp that, but I see it in the Word. And I know and I believe that you want to come tonight. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But Lord, I invite you, Holy Spirit, into this place in a corporate anointing. And I ask you, Father, to send your holy angels to show your glory in this place. To show your love for each of us. To show us your power and your might and your glory. God is a God way above all other gods. Satan has his powers and principality, but Jesus is above everyone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I ask you, John, lead us in prayer. 
lead us in praise and worship. And uh, we're going to get out of God's way. <laughs> someone has something the Lord wants to do through you, maybe it's a word or something, so whoever you are just be bold enough to come up here, wave your hand at me, we'll get a mic in your hand grab the mic right behind you there because I want to read Psalms 150. Ah, here we go. Hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him in his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. Mighty to be praise. Now I just added that part, but anyway. Praise him with his trumpet blast. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and dance, people. Dance. Let's dance before the Lord. Praise him with the flute and strings. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let every breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Give him praise because he's worthy of all the glory, all the honor, and all, all the praise. Regardless of our circumstance, regardless of what's going on in this nation, it doesn't matter because our eyes belong on him and him alone. To him be all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise to our mighty King Jesus. Jesus, 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 the name above all names, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen.
Um, the Lord is not defeated where we feel defeated. Um, whether it's related to the election, current events, or something personal in your life where you're feeling defeat, the Lord is not defeated there, and He's victorious, and you were grafted into that same victory. So in faith, grab hold and walk out and live in that same spirit of victory because He carries no defeat in those areas. glorify you Lord you are worthy you are worthy and we give you all the glory father all the glory great is the Lord and greatly to be praised We do not just spend a moment in praise to our Lord. We live a lifestyle of it. 
So this week, as you're going about your week, you are living a life of praise to Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Take some time. If you will commit to, to fasting one meal this week, raise your hand. Just be accountable to everyone around you. Look around you. You see someone, choose someone and say, I'm going to ask them, make sure they did. And get before the Lord. And, and present your petition to Him. And thank Him for the mercy that He's had for us. Thank Him for the victory that He's designed for us. Alright? And worship Him. Believe and you will be established. Someone say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Just because we say you're free to go home doesn't mean the service is over. So pray for each other as you go. There's one thing we're going to do yet. I would like to have an offering basket at the door. And there is a, a uh, particular need in this building that we're going to take an alms offering for. So if you want to uh, be a part of that, if the Lord moves you to do that, um, just put your money in the basket there and we'll make sure that all of it gets to this need. Thank you. They'll put some back there. All right, someone say, I am more than a conqueror in Jesus, my Lord. All right, be blessed. Because Jesus is in the house tonight. Glory to God. You know, there's change in the air, but Jesus never changes. His word never changes. And that's a foundation that we all stand upon, isn't it? And that's something that you can praise him about. Do you know that praise is God's address? By the way, thanks for coming tonight. Thanks for showing up here at Church of the Word International, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Amen. It's good to see you in the house of God. We have so much to be thankful for. We don't look this way. Praise and worship doesn't look this way. It looks up because we've got someone to always worship and praise and give thanks to, don't we? Amen. Glory to God. It says in Psalms 98, the Lord has made known his salvation. Aren't you glad he's made it known to you? Do I hear a yes? Resounding yes. His righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy. God doesn't forget his mercy toward you toward those who belong to him. He doesn't forget that. And his faithfulness. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him victory. Now you might think, 
I don't see a whole lot of victory. Are you not awake? Are you not awake up? Listen, I'm not looking horizontal. I'm looking vertical. Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's never over until it's over. Glory to God. So rouse yourself tonight and declare, pronounce the victory. The victory belongs to the Lord. Amen. Let's stand up together. Children of the Most High God. And let's give him the victory, which is due his name. Amen. says that he doesn't see as man sees. He doesn't look on the outward appearance like man looks, but he looks on the heart. That's what he said when Samuel went out to anoint King David. So we're going to have the eyes of God tonight, right? We're going to look and see things that are not seen and fasten our eyes on that which is unseen in the natural realm. There's as much of a spirit of victory here tonight as there has been. Come on. So in that note of celebration, we're going to celebrate new life. So if we could have Amanda Grace come up and she can bring her parents with her. see me do it you guys didn't know that uh, you could love so much did you <laughs> a whole new love comes in and takes his place and just like the Lord looks at you and I that love inside of you the love of God which you shed abroad in our hearts as you look at your child he's going to give you all the wisdom that you need it's not in, in, your, in your research and in your study it's in Him imparting wisdom to you and understanding. Amen? All right. 
Now I can turn this way again. So we're going to uh, ask you a series of questions. And um, you're familiar with how we do this. You can just reply, we do. And then the congregation, same to you, you can say, we do. Do you desire that your child will grow in the fear and admonition of the Lord? And do you promise to provide for Amanda Grace, a Christian home where God is honored and his word is taught? Do you pledge yourselves to live in such a way that your words and actions will commend Jesus and his church to Amanda? Do you promise that you will be a spiritual guide for Amanda, praying and watching for the day when she will be ready to receive Christ as personal Lord and Savior? I'm telling you right now, that's an awesome day. Do you, the people of God in this church, covenant with Shannon and Heather, to provide a loving church home for Amanda Grace. We do. Do you promise to continue teaching the Bible in this church so that Amanda will never lack hearing the truth of God's Word? We do. Yes. Yes. And yes. All right. Let's pray over this precious gift of God. Father, we just present to you right now Amanda Grace. We're so grateful that you've given her life, that you have a plan and a destiny for her. And Father, we lift her up to you, and I ask you, Lord, to just bring out of her everything that you have in mind, all the things in your heart, Lord, arrange them even now, put things into motion, and and set people's course so that their life will intersect with her, those that she needs to meet in the future, Father, even all the way to her spouse and those that are going to be her grandchildren. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for your protecting angel that you have assigned to her to keep her from all harm all the days of her life. And Lord, I ask you to, for special understanding and wisdom, to be upon Heather as she's a mother to this child, upon Shannon as he's the father. Lord, impart to them your understanding and wisdom as is necessary. Show them things that are yet to come, even when they haven't happened yet, how to be ready for them. And Father, I ask you to bless in a special way each one of these. In Jesus' name. Yes, congratulations. You may be. Not used to having everybody sitting. Used to seeing hugging and greeting and Hallelujah. You know, it's it's time to get your eyes off of man. It's time to get our eyes off of what's swirling around our surroundings. It's time to lift up our eyes into the hills and to the Lord from that's where the help comes from. And he's not shaken. Amen. All right. Well, if you need a cash envelope for your for your giving, raise your hand real high.
the ushers will see that you'll get it. And I am just, I am so grateful that no matter what is shaken, God's not shaken. We serve an unshakable God, a trustworthy God, and he's never forsaken us. No matter how bleak it may look, no matter what, he, you're not alone. I'm not alone. The country is not alone. I'm in it. So country's not alone. So I'm going to encourage you out of Matthew tonight. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Started. We're going to read 25 to 34, maybe not all the verses. But verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what, will you, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? We're not supposed to worry about the cares and the needs and the problems and pressures in life. I didn't say that we don't, we don't need to think about them or that you can't plan, but we're not supposed to worry. We're not supposed to be anxious. And notice here, this verse started out with a therefore. And when you see a therefore, you see what it's there for. So in that prior verse, if, you, if we were to read that, you would see it's bringing out, you got to get clear about who you serve. You got to get clear about that because for the next things that are coming, if you are serving the wrong thing, how can you trust? You know, if you're going to go ahead and serve money or serve yourself, yeah, you might need to fear. You're going to put your trust and serve yourself or serve money. Watch out because money fluctuates. Economy fluctuates. Your job can go poof. You know? So it's real clear. That's why this verse has a therefore. Get clear about who you are serving. All right. Uh, 26 says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? See, you're valuable to him. You need to get clear about that. You can trust him because he hasn't missed one thing. If he has his eye on the sparrow and on the birds, you are so much more valuable. He hasn't missed one thing that's happening down here. Not one thing. And you know, the next verses here goes on and talking about how just bringing out what a good provider he is. How he cares, I mean, the best of it, you know, I mean, he, look how he clothes the flowers. He, his, his best is what he wants for you. <clears throat> then in, in verse 31, brings it out again, therefore do not be anxious because of all these things, because you're valuable, because he's trustworthy, because he's a good provider, don't be anxious. Saying, what are we going to eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? What are we going to do? I don't know. What's going to happen? Well, what's going on? I don't, mm, all this stuff. Don't do that. <laughs> because that's how the unbelieving Gentiles do. They seek after all these things. They stress and flex and fear and fret and whatever else about all these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need stuff. He knows that there's, he knows we need answers down here. He knows there's things that we need in this realm to make it go around. He knows that. Okay, so this is, this is, the next verse is what's super important. Let me add a side note into this here. Uh, you know, where it talked about, well, I skipped over it, I guess, because I was trying to cut time. But <laughs> It talked about don't be anxious because you can't add anything to your life. Side note, there, there are things you can do to add to your life. 
Being anxious and worrying isn't one of them. All right, read Proverbs. It'll tell you how you can add. The fear of the Lord will add length to your life. Okay, but the answer is in verse 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. You got to get clear about what's first. Get clear about who's first and his righteousness, and then these things will be added to you. Get who you serve down pat first. Get clear about that. Get, get your priorities straightened out, and you don't need to worry because God's smarter than you. <laughs> he knows some things you don't, and if you get your serving thing figured out, then you can trust because he's trustworthy. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't borrow tomorrow's trouble, right? So put God first. And you know what? The th- one of the ways we demonstrate who is first in our life is with tithing, you know? When you take your income, which represents your, your abilities and, and your time and reflection of your accomplishments in life, and you take the tenth right off the top, no matter what, I, look, I don't care how much, oh, we need this and this and that, and, you know, even this whole income check isn't going to cover it, so we better not tithe. No, huh? You, in trust and in faith, you tithe to the Lord. Putting, it's a demonstration of trust. That you're not relying on this little piece of paper and your abilities to, to figure it out. So tithing demonstrates who we're trusting in. Amen? And that's what we're doing tonight. So if you brought a tithe or an offering or first fruit, it is the first of the year, uh, let's pray over that. So, Father, we just present to you our tithes and our offerings. God, we're just so grateful that we can rely on you because you're trustworthy. And you've never let us down and you never will. You've never been shaken, never forsaken us. I thank you, Lord, that you meet all of the needs in this house. And I thank you that you open up the windows of heaven for these tithers and pour out a blessing until there is no more lack. In Jesus' name. And amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets. Yeah, rejoice. There's, you know what? Look for it. Look for what to rejoice about. God is still on the throne. All right, well, there's a whole lot of things in your, in your bulletin tonight. So it might be good if you would just pick that up and look over it because we got um, a lot of things are starting and changes. And one of the things I wanted to mention right off the top is donation summaries are being prepared, and they should be here next week. So um, come expecting to have those available next Saturday. If you are a team member... We have a team members uh, meeting, to, no, not tomorrow, this is Saturday, <laughs> team leader, sorry. Uh, Monday at 7 p.m. here at the church, we have a team leader, so it's not, okay, sorry, team leaders <laughs> meeting here on Monday in the cafe. Please plan to attend. We have our home groups are starting up. The next round of home groups is um, beginning here the week of January 17th. And we have sign-up sheets available downstairs. So even if you were part of a group before and you plan to attend, please go down and just put your name down so we know, you know who's where and, and what. Uh, coffee mugs are available, $10 per mug in our cafe. We've got some great-looking mugs. Um, also, we got a new men's group starting up. So Saturday, January 30th, 
8 a.m. here at church, at a church here. Josh Schumann's going to be heading that up. So if you're a man looking to have some manly fellowship and godly, you know, environment, counsel, and whatever Josh has to minister to you, come and expect that. All right, and there's more things, but I'll let you read your bulletin. All right, Pastor. Josh, would you like to uh, talk to us just a little bit about what's coming in the men's, men's group and maybe some things, um, what the purpose is behind it? And... Uh, yeah, men's group coming up, it's, it's uh, something we had for a while and, and uh, the Lord laid on my heart uh, just to, to start having an opportunity to be able to sow into us men. Uh, Gene is going to be a big part of it. He's going to be helping with a lot of the teaching which I'm excited about. Uh, Gene's an anointed teacher and, and looking forward to that. But basically, it's just a place where, where we as men can come together and be encouraged. You know, we, we, have a, we have a big responsibility as men being the example of God our Father in our homes uh, and in our relationships with our spouses and, and our children it's, and even single men. Uh, God is calling men to start rising up and taking the place that he has designed for them. And we've you know, our society has kind of taken a man's not as important approach. The, the father in the house is not as important. Um, and you can look at all the statistics that talk about how many uh, fa- fatherless homes there are and, and the, uh, the correlation of, of children that get into uh, sin when the father's not around. And we just, we need to come together as men, be encouraged, grow together, and pursue the Lord. Um, It's kind of like I tell, my view of men's ministry is like what I tell to to impact. You know, our our impact, youth and young adults, is not a place just to come and have fun. We're not going to go out and do a bunch of fun activities. Our goal is to help you fulfill the call that that God has on your life. And we're going to have fun while we do it. Well, this isn't going to be a men's group where we take our shirts off, as Shane was wondering if shirts are optional. I mean, if you want to take your shirt off, that's fine. Um, but, uh, but it's not going to be a hunting and fishing. And, you know, I'm, we're, going to, we're going to do some, some fun stuff, I'm sure. I, Lord hasn't given me many ideas on that yet. But I do know that we're going to grow in the Word. We're going to grow in relationship with each other. And we're going to be a place where we can be encouraged Amen. as men. As God designed us to be. So. And when is the first one again? Uh, the first one is ju- uh, January 30th, this Saturday morning, 8 a.m. here at the church. Uh, it's going to be breakfast and, and uh, some teaching and some fellowship. Yeah. So we're going to eat good, yeah. that's for sure. I mean, the fastest way to a man's heart is through his stomach, I hear. Um, I, I know that works for me. Thank you, Josh. Eat physical food, spiritual food, come back Saturday night, eat again. Just be fat and happy. (laughs) You know, more than ever before, the world is in desperate need of men. Men that are unashamed, are bold, they understand the place they stand in, and uh, a place of authority and and much of the problems in the world today you can trace right back to a lack of fathers in the home a lack of godly fathers in the home and so that is what we are going to do together is grow in that 